This week, we're going to cover our fourth and final topic in the Hot Topic series, which you asked for, and that is, we call it God's F-bomb, forgiveness. Now, I don't know if you wanted to talk about forgiveness and family, if those somehow weave together or not. I'll let you work that out, but we're going to talk about the power and the importance of forgiveness today. Have you ever needed forgiveness? Yeah, you have. Have you ever needed to forgive somebody? Yeah, you have, because you're human, and that's just part of our existence and part of our journey, isn't it? So we're going to talk about it today, and we're going to tell, tell a story about um, the Apostle Paul towards the end of what we have recorded about his life, and it's in Acts 28. I'm going to invite you to turn to Acts 28, Acts chapter 28, <laughs> and basically it's going to be story time with Pastor Kevin today. And this is an amazing story because here we pick up in Acts 28, verse 1. Oh, by the way, hey to everybody watching us on Facebook Live and HarvestMobile.com. And howdy to everybody over in the family venue. We're super glad that you're here today. You see, I got a little fire burning. And we're going to talk to you about that tell you why that's up here. But it says in verse 1, when they, Paul and his crew, had escaped the shipwreck, they found out that they were on an island called Malta. I mean, so far, if you just picked up their reading, you would think, well, that sounds awesome, a day at the island. This is wonderful. I'm going to go to Dolphin Island later myself. This is great. But no, if you read chapter 27, you realize that the Apostle Paul was a prisoner of the Roman Empire, and he was against his own will placed on this ship that he knew in his heart was going to go through some trouble. But he was on this voyage anyway, and sure enough, a cyclone came, and they were in a storm for over a week, and they thought they were going to die. And they probably would have, except Paul prayed and said, God, would you save all of us? And the Lord said, if you will stay, you and everybody with you will stay on the boat, I'll save you. Now, if you get off the boat, you're on your own. How many of you sometimes you just got to stay on the boat? Ooh, that'll preach right there, but I don't have time to preach that one. But nonetheless, they had just gone through a severe storm. And when they think they threw all their provisions overboard to lighten their load, and, and they were, uh, just had given themselves that we're going to die. And then, bam, their ship was grounded. It, they, were, they experienced a shipwreck. And that's where Gilligan's Island came from. That's the backstory right there. They found themselves on the island of Malta. It was still raining. It was cold. They had just gone through a horrific ordeal. And now to top it all off, they're out in the freezing cold rain. There's no shelter. And they have no way of leaving that island. They were stuck. Has that ever been a good metaphor for your life? Here's Paul. Shipwrecked. Out in the cold, out in the rain. So let's pick the story up right here. They found out that the name of the island was called Malta. And the local folks showed them unusual kindness. <clears throat> they kindled a fire and made us all welcome. See, that's what we need to do. When people come into our church, we are the locals, right? We're the natives. We're going to make people feel, we're going to show them unusual kindness, and we're going to kindle a fire for them. How do we kindle a fire? Well, we serve them. And they made us feel welcome. Turn to your neighbor right now and just say, welcome, neighbor. <clears throat> They made us feel welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. I mean, it's cold out there. I mean, I know it's Mobile and it's August, but this is a metaphor. So it's not cold out there. It's humid. But metaphorically, spiritually, it's raining and it's cold out there. And people are looking for a safe, warm place. 
It goes on to say, but when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks. So here's what I want you to see is that Paul had just gone through a storm, just suffered a great wreck. And he's the great apostle Paul. He doesn't get up and say, hey, everybody, I know we just went through a tough time. I got a sermon I want to preach to you. No, he began to serve. He began to gather sticks to feed the fire so that other people could be made to feel warm in a cold place. You know, sometimes the greatest sermon that we preach is not three points in a poem. It's the life that we live, isn't it? And so, in fact, the greatest way to reach people is to serve people. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we took our new outreach truck and we went down to buy the battery and we just served. There were hundreds of people came and we told them, we don't want anything from you. We're just here today to remind you that God loves you. And so do we. And we just outfitted their kids with backpacks for school and school supplies. And we had refreshments and our worship band worshiped and uh, Garrison preached the good news gospel message of encouragement. We just said, we don't want nothing from you. Just here to love you. And I think that's our message that's our church's message is if we're going to make it hard to go to hell from Mobile, we're just going to tell people, hey, we love you. God loves you. And uh, we're here, I guess to summarize what we do as a church is we're just here to love the hell out of people, right? And not that what we're called to do, everybody? Just make it hard. Just say, I don't, I don't want to live that way. This way is just better. It's cold out there. I want to get by the fire. And here's Paul, not preaching a sermon, but he's serving from his heart. Did you know that you can work a job and not put your heart in it, but you cannot serve without putting your heart in it. Now, you can work a job, get paid, and put your heart in it. That's when you're really good. But when we come here, and we, a lot of us that call this our church home, we volunteer. We're a, we're a volunteer organization, but we put our heart into it. I mean, sometimes you, you go to your job, and you put up with stuff just because you get paid, right? You're like, I don't like it, but they pay me, so I'm going to do this, right? Or have you ever been on your job? You're like, they don't pay me enough for this. I'm out of here. <laughs> ever done that? But, but when you're a volunteer, you're not getting paid, at least not on this side of eternity. <clears throat> there is a payday coming, by the way. I just want you to know that. So by the way, when you pick up your kids from preschool and nursery today, hug them. N not the kids, the workers. <laughs> just say thank you because they're serving, man. They are making it. But when they're ministering to those kids at their level, telling them, teaching them to love their Bible and love God's word and love God's house, but just love on those nursery workers, love on those preschool, those jump kids workers, and just say thank you because uh, they, they do an amazing job. So my, my favorite, you're not supposed to have favorites, but every Sunday when I pull up, I see the guys out in the parking lot parking cars and stuff. I'm like, those dudes, they're awesome. I mean, they're like the mailman. I don't matter if it's raining, if it's cold, if it's hot. I mean, sometimes they're just out there, they're pouring sweat, and they're like smiling and helping you find the parking spot. And I just love those guys. So aren't, just tell those guys thank you today. Would you do that when you leave? So, oh, oh I'm just going to press pause. Remind me to come back to my notes here in, in a minute. So, but I have a good report for you. Speaking of parking, you know, parking, we have plenty of room in here, but a lot of times our biggest limiting factor is our parking outside. And uh, when I first came to pastor here 16 and a half years ago, we had about 75 or 80 people and about a million and a half dollars worth of debt. And so miraculously in 2009, in the middle of a recession, we actually paid off 
all of our debt as a church. And then we borrowed money against our property to renovate the front of our building. I don't know if you, you probably, if you never saw it, we used to have the ugliest church in town. And now we don't. So uh, it's, it's not going to win any architectural contest, but at least it's nice now. You know, you don't walk, you don't drive by and go, ooh, uh, as opposed to you just kind of don't really notice it. So that's an improvement. And, and, and we also took some of the money and we, we remodeled this room. And we, we used to have the oldest carpet in Mobile. In fact, it's at the Smithsonian right now. But we renovated this room, painted the ceiling. Got, I mean, we just put a lot of money in here, made it really nice for you, air conditioning and all that nice stuff. And then we took, I don't know, maybe a quarter million dollars. I don't remember how much now, but we bought the property right behind us here because we had a big parking problem. And so we, we were, that's where, so we probably now as a church have, I don't know, Five hundred fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars worth of debt, as opposed to a million and a half. That's not bad. And we improved the place and and that sort of thing. So anyway, my goal, our goal, is to eventually own this blank property next to us and all the way around, just to own this whole corner. So we want to have a corner on the market. See what I'm there? And so you can believe with me. But a little piece of property came. I'm telling you this because I want to brag on one of our members who's used their gifts to serve and to serve you. And so there's a little piece of property about five years ago. It was a little house and there's a photo studio over there. And we, the guy said, I'm going to be retiring soon. If y'all be interested in buying my property, it joins to your property that you just bought. And so, well, how much do you want for? I think you want $150,000. And we offered him 80 and he said, no, that was about five years ago. Well, about six weeks ago, they called and they said, Hey, uh, if you still want our property, we'll take your $80,000 offer. And so, uh, one of our talented members, I'm going to brag on Mr. Brent Hyder, who's, who's here today. Uh, he used to be in real estate, and he's retired now, but he used to be you know, the tax man. He'd go around and make sure your properties were properly assessed. And I know it's good to have the tax man on your team. You know what I'm saying? It's just good for him to be on your side and you know, the kingdom guy. So anyway, he said, uh, hey, pastor, well, that $80,000, that, that, that offer expired. Uh, let's offer him fifty. I'm like, well, I don't want to insult them. He goes, and real estate people get insulted every day. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll authorize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You go and represent us. Anyway, he offered him $50,000. How many of you ladies like, like a 70% off sale? You like those? Okay. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, well, they took our $50,000 offer. We got like a 70% off deal on that little piece of property over there. Well, that's not all. Just go ahead and rejoice. It's okay. That's not awesome. So... Oh, and it, and it gets better. So not only did Mr. Hyder save us almost $100,000, but then he bought me dinner. So, I mean, so whatever your gifts and talents are, you can use those to build the fire, to help people come around, have some warmth, have some, uh, some protection from the cold. And that's what we see the Apostle Paul doing. He's serving. And sometimes, though, as you're around the fire, he, had, he went and picked up a bundle of sticks. Sometimes you're, you're, you, you grab something, you think you got one thing, but you got more than you bargained for. And as he brought those sticks to the fire to lay them on the fire, the heat caused a viper that was in those sticks to come out, and it bit him on the arm. How I many know sometimes you don't know what you're getting, but you know what you got? And when it's a little too late, you, you thought you had a good man, but then you brought him to church. <laughs> oh, I just helped somebody, but <laughs> you thought you had a friend, but they won't come to church or, or whatever the case may be. But, but Paul saw the importance of staying near the fire. And so we see, we know what happened, right? You, you, know, you know what happened. He, you know, he, he went and, and so I know you have kids too, so you can just have fun with those. But 
But something came out. The heat caused something to come out that caused damage. I should have seen that in the first service. It was awesome. The whole front row. If, oh, I think they wet themselves. It was great. <laughs> and, and, so, and so when you get around the fire is when things... I mean, sometimes when you're under attack, it's not because you've done something wrong. It's because you're on the right track. But what a lot of people do, you're like, man, I didn't have any problems with the devil pastor until I joined the usher team or until I joined the prayer team or until I started making lattes in the cafe. Well, why do you you think all hell broke loose? Do you think God did that or the devil did that? It wasn't God. So when all hell breaks loose... (laughs) Don't stop serving. Don't get away from the fire. You press in closer to the fire. Don't stop, sir. I don't know about you, but I'm just that kind of person. I'm like, when I was, when I was 19, they said, don't go to India. They have 300 million gods and goddesses. You'll be wasting your time. It's just worthless for you to go there. So I moved there for five years. And we've seen it to, to now. We still have a ministry there. We've seen now uh, about a half million people make Jesus their Lord. We've seen a couple of hundred churches. Actually, it's probably more, just conservatively, a couple of hundred churches. It's probably closer to five or 600 churches planted. But my point being is, if the devil tells me not to do something, I'm going to do it. If he tells me to quit serving, I'm, I'm going to say, to hell with the devil. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press in and I'm going to serve God from my heart. The Bible says, serve the Lord with gladness, not with madness. So if you don't like your serve team, just switch teams. But my point being, yeah, I remember, want to hear a weird story? Sure you do. That's why you come to church here. So I lived in Calcutta, India at one point, and a guy walked up to me who did not speak a word of English and in perfect English in a guttural, demonic voice. And this is a true story. I have a witness. He said, I am Lucifer. I was like, oh, wow, nice to meet you. (laughs) Kevin Cooley, tonight at 8 o'clock, I'm going to come to your room, and I'm going to strangle you to death. Now, this is a a guy who didn't speak a word of English. He's full of the devil, and he's speaking in this demonic voice with his eyes rolled back in his head, threatening my life. And I had a guy that was with me. He was like, oh, my God. Whoa, what just happened? What are you going to do? I said, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to my room tonight. I'm going to go to sleep. Aren't you afraid the devil's going to... I was like, are you serious? I said, one thing you need to know about the devil. He's a liar. It's his native tongue. If he says he's going to be somewhere at 8 o'clock, he ain't going to be there. He's a liar. And as y'all can see, I'm still here. He didn't show up in my room and strangle me. First of all, I was just glad to know that the devil knew my name. Does he know yours? And if he doesn't, that could be your real problem. So don't, don't get away from the fire when the devil attacks. Press into the fire. Stay close. Sometimes you got to sweat out the toxins. You know what I'm talking about. The devil doesn't want you feeding this fire. Let me keep reading. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, making his contribution, a viper came out because of the heat. Everybody say, because of the heat. And fastened on his hands. <clears throat> it's, it's, like I said, it's when you get close to the fire is when, you, when things reveal themselves, right? All right. Now, verse 4. So, when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he escaped the sea in the shipwreck, 
yet justice does not allow him to live. Isn't it amazing when you're going through a struggle how prophetic or perceptive people get all of a sudden about what's really going on with you? They have their opinions. Oh, I knew it. I knew all that God stuff was just a phase they were going through. I knew they'd go back to fill in the blank. Right? And you know, here's the interesting thing. Had that viper bitten Saul, it would have killed him. Because guess what? Saul was a murderer. But this viper didn't bite Saul. This viper fastened itself onto Paul. His name used to be Saul, but that was B.C., before Christ. You know what I'm saying? How many of y'all, B.C., you should have been dead too? Come on now. I know I'm not the only one with my hand raised. It's the mercy of God that you're here today. If not for the grace of God, there go I. I don't know about y'all. I'm just thankful to be. I woke up this morning, and I came to church because of the mercy of God. If you're watching me today, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you stayed somewhere last night a little later than you should have. But the mercy of God. But this is not Saul. This is Paul. Old things have passed away and all things had become new in Christ Jesus. And this viper bit the new creature in Christ, Paul. He, ain't a mur- he used to be a murderer. But all those things were gone. He had a New Testament. I know God will change your story. He'll change your name. He'll, he, God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. It's not about what you have done. It's about what Jesus has done. Can somebody say thank you right now? Aren't you glad for what he has done for us? And so I love what Paul, the new creature in Christ, did. He didn't go, oh, my God, everybody look. Ah, get it off. No. He started singing that Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off. How many know you got to shake it off if you're going to make it in life? It's not if... The opportunity to be offended comes. It's when. And if you're married, it comes more than once a day. How do you, how do you have a long-term relationship with somebody, with anybody? You have to learn to shake it off. Don't you? I mean, my wife offends me every other day, and I offend her every day. God bless her. What do you do? you got to shake some stuff off. Sometimes you just got to agree to disagree. But, let, but you're in agreement, right? Are, are anybody listening to me? So Paul didn't go to viper therapy. He didn't go to just got bit classes or no. He kept serving. He didn't say, well, I think I need a break, y'all. Ooh. Mm. Can I meddle just a little bit up in Harvest Church this morning? I'll tell you two things that I've learned in 30 years of ministry, and that is, hopefully I've learned more than two things, but at least two things, and that just, just from observation, you don't even have to be smart to learn these things, but two things, when people say, I need to take a break, that's code for, I'm either offended about something, I'm really tired, and I haven't been feeding myself spiritually, and that's why I'm tired, and I'm thinking about how to backslide. Or, 
Code, another code phrase is, well, I'm just not getting fed here anymore. That's code for, yeah, I'm not feeding myself, and I'm expecting you to do it. And since what you're giving me isn't enough, because it isn't enough, you've got to feed yourself. Um, because, I, uh, because I'm not feeding myself, then I'm going to go somewhere else where it's all about me, and I don't have to give anything. But let me just say something about the kingdom of God. I'm going to break it to you. It's not about taking it's about giving the whole book the whole bible is a book about giving god so loved the world that god gave and guess whose kids we are you're asking me to give no god is he's like i gave my life for you now i want you to give your life for others that's how you feed the fire and that's how we create an atmosphere for people to come and to receive eternal life to make it hard to go to hell from Mobile, Alabama. And you think the devil's not going to attack that? Man, if I was the devil, you know, that's exactly what I would do. I would be biting God's people, trying to inject them with the venom of offense so I could paralyze the workforce of God's kingdom to bring salvation and evangelism to a screeching halt. That's exactly, that's exactly what I would do if I was the devil. And that's exactly what the devil does. So... Why, did God, why does God allow us to get bit? I don't know the answer to that question. But I will tell you this. God may not protect you from the bite, but he will protect you from the venom. When people at work see you going through something, and they do, they're watching you. They're going to see that you went through something and you didn't die. They see other people go through the same or even less, and it shook them up, shattered their world, but they saw that the Lord was with you. They might not believe what you believe, but they see it working for you, and that's the greatest sermon that you can preach sometimes, right? They saw you go through the crisis. They saw you go through the storm. They saw you go through the bankruptcy. They saw you go through the divorce, God forbid. They saw you go through the pregnant daughter. They saw you go through the situation. They saw you go through the loss of your job. But you're still alive. You shook it off and you trusted God and you went through it anyway. If you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going, right? Yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Come on, somebody say, he's with me. He's, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, I'm with That's the greatest thing of all as Christ followers. He's with us. He's with us. You can wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and you can say, God's with that man. God's with that woman. But if you don't shake it off, you will suffer. Verse 5, Acts 28, 5. But he, Paul, shook off the creature. Where? Into the fire. You got to stay close to the fire. Keep feeding the fire. He shook it off into the fire and suffered no harm. Did you know the best response to criticism is success? Just keep doing what you're called to do and let God defend you. If I told you what, what I and some of the staff and some of our key volunteers went through this last week, you would think that I planned this sermon based on our recent experiences. Although, this sermon has been on the calendar since Easter. But sometimes when people try to poo-poo all over you, and they will, been alive long enough to know that they will, 
the best thing that you can do is not defend yourself or stop slinging it back on them. You just succeed anyway. You just use that poo-poo to fertilize your garden and grow some fruit and just bear fruit that glorifies God and you just be successful and be blessed anyway, succeed anyway, love anyway, be happy anyway, right? You don't have to defend yourself because the Bible says that God is our vindicator. I want you to know today, some of you came here today to hear this, that God, not only is he with you, he's on your side and he's going to vindicate you. In the eyes of those who criticized you, judged you, in the eyes of those who diminished you or discounted you or dismissed you or rejected you, he's going to vindicate you, brother, my sister. But you got to shake it off. Let me read to you Matthew chapter 6 and verse 15, the words of Jesus. And this is what he said. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. You ever wonder why you ask God for forgiveness but you still didn't feel forgiven? It might be because you're not. Because the way God forgives you is the way that you forgive others. Let me break it down to you this way. The Lord's Prayer, you know it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our trespasses. How? As we forgive those who trespass against us. It's the only part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus explained. He goes, forgive us, but do it like we forgive people who've offended us. Right? Because when you walk in a fence, some people just boldly say, I'm offended. But even if you don't declare it, we can tell. How? The same way you can tell a baby needs a diaper change. There's just an air about you. And when you walk around, I'm offended. It's like you're saying, I'm offended, and I got a poopy diaper spiritually, and, and you're just letting everybody know. Something ain't right. Okay? I don't know if y'all knew this, but one of my first volunteer positions, when I was a senior in high school, I was the, I was the associate youth pastor at my home church, but they said, hey, we're shorthanded in preschool. We need you to go in there and help with preschool. Would you like to volunteer for preschool? I was like, well, sure. Yes. I'll mow the grass. The, the, my answer is yes. You just tell me the question. I'll do whatever needs to be done. So I painted walls. I scrubbed toilets. I volunteered in, the, in preschool. I was on the puppet team. Man, me and the Muppets, baby, we were tight. <laughs> I did everything. I played in the worship band. I sang. I, I, I straightened chairs. I went to early morning prayer. I, so my answer is yes. You just tell me the question. That's how we serve the Lord with gladness. You, uh, whatever you need me to do, Lord. Do you know, I was the biggest giving teenager in my church growing up. Yep, I was the biggest. As far as anybody 18 or under, I was the biggest giver. That was my goal. I want to be the biggest giver. Why? I wasn't trying to impress anybody. I was trying to serve the Lord with gladness. So just say yes. And then, okay, Lord, what's the question? That's how it works in the kingdom. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass pass against us. And by the way, this is a daily prayer, isn't it? Why? Because you need to forgive every day. Right. Don't you? All the married people said, amen. That's how you stay 
or have long-term relationships. As you work it out, even when it's uncomfortable, even when you know you've been misunderstood, or have you ever said something and it's just coming out of your mouth, you're like, that's ah, not going to get taken. That's not how I meant it. I, what'd you do? Well, I'll just screw this relationship. I'm out of here. No, you stay at the table and you work it out, right? Everybody say, stay at the table. Somebody say, stay by the fire. Have you ever said something you shouldn't have said? Yeah, me too. I've said stuff from up here I shouldn't have said. <laughs> I'm a part of um, the pledge group or Shrink the Divide. It's, I'm a part of the steering team, and our mission is to shrink the racial divide in the body of Christ in Mobile, Alabama. And we now meet every other Thursday in our Next Steps room right across the hallway. And I don't know if you know this, but Harvest Church, you feed these guys lunch. And there's about 12 to 20 of us that meet. And as the steering team, we're a very diverse group. And we try to understand one another better. That's all we do. And then we try to take that understanding and help people in the body of Christ understand each other better. To understand where people have come from. And here's our commitment. And it's gotten heated in that room. And, but never has anybody thrown up their hands and just said, I'm out of here. Now, people have thrown up their hands, but we've said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold up. But here's our commitment. Our commitment is we stay, no matter what, we stay at the table. We stay at the table. And some of my best friends in this city are from that group now because we stay at the table. And that's how... You know, Gary's grown up in this church since he was a little boy. He's now a grown man. Some cool things are happening for him. But my point is, is that through it all, he stayed at, we've stayed at the table with each other. We have a relationship. We stay at the table. My mom is here, and she's known me my whole life. And she's seen me do some dumb stuff, and we, but we've gone through it together. Whether I agree with her or disagree, what we do, we stay at the table. Fa she's family. She's family. No matter what she does, no matter what I do, right? And that's how we see each other, right? My brother and I, years ago, during an election season, we had a disagreement, but we went to coffee, and we talked about it, and what we do, we stay at the table. Because that's what friends do, that's what family does, that's what we do in the body of Christ. Because our relationship with each other in this room, it's greater than politics. It's greater than our race. Our relationship is based on something else. It's based on the blood of Jesus. And we're family. So we're going to stay at the table with each other. You might do something I disagree with, but I still love you. We're going to stay, I'm going to stay at the table. You might make a mistake. I might make a mistake. What we're going to do, we're going to stay at the table. We're going to work it out. We're going to seek to understand each other, not just be understood. That's part of how you shake it off. Somebody say shake it off. So... <clears throat> you sweep out your emotions every day. That's why this is a daily prayer. How many know if the devil's looking for a way into your life, he's going to try to find it through anger, through cynicism, through offense, because this is Satan's personality. His personality, he's angry, he's cynical, he's offensive, he's offended, he's easily offended. This is the language he speaks. He, he, he's looking for somebody with a personality like his personality to work through. Somebody who's who's easily offended, who's critical, who's self-absorbed, who's self-important, who's angry, who knows it all. You know, you know what you can teach a know-it-all? <laughs> Nothing. They already know it all. 
So he's looking for those people, somebody who's over-important or who, who can never be as good as they are, who can never be as smart as they are. Oh, you can never figure this out. It's just way over your head. You better let me handle this because I am so important. Somebody, that, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like the Pharisees. Nobody's as holy as we are, and it's comparative. And, and if you were just more like <clears throat> me, then, of course, you know, your prayers might get answered if you even knew how to pray properly. Right, just you know, it's mean. You know, I think this this is just press pause. My my opinion here. I think mean people go to hell. That's what I think. I'm, in fact, I'm going to get. A t- it should be in the Bible. I'm going to get a T-shirt though that says "Mean people go to hell," and then it's going to say, "Meet me at Harvest Church." <laughs> That's what I love. There are no mean people here. Now, if you're sitting next to somebody mean, just raise your. I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> No perfect people allowed, right? So we're all working it out on different levels. I get that. But religion is mean. And you can never be good enough, smart enough, and they're going to critical, or if you just did more or gave more, if you just served more. There's never enough. I don't know, with the devil and with religion, you can't do enough. No matter how much you do, no matter how much you give, it's not enough. Oh, you read your Bible for an hour. I read mine for two and a half hours. This is never enough. But guess what? In the kingdom, when there's grace, it is enough. There is enough. Did you know you can read your Bible enough? You can pray enough? How do I know when I've read my Bible enough, Pastor Kevin? I'm going to teach you something. I've known this for years. I'm going to pass it on to you. Maybe you already know it, and that's great. But just if you don't know it, this will be a great blessing to you because you can read your Bible enough. How do you know? What's your favorite restaurant in town? Just tell me. Okay, welcome to Moe's. Good. All right, so that's my son's favorite restaurant. And he always gets the home record. It's the biggest burrito they got. He gets it with extra steak. Now, you have to know, my son's 140 pounds, and he's about that big around. But he eats it all, and then he goes, Dad, can I have another one? And I've made a vow. If they're hungry, I'm going to feed them. Yeah, you want another one? Go get another one. Yeah, sure. I don't know where does he put it. He's got a hollow leg. You know how it is, huh? Teenagers. But I'll ask him, yeah, after his second burrito, you want any more? He's like, oh, no. His little belly sticking out. How does he know he's had enough? He's full. How do you know when you've read your Bible enough? Look at your neighbor and say, are you full of it? (laughs) I know you are. That's how you know you've read your Bible enough. You're full. That's how you know you've prayed enough. You're full. Or you got your answer. So yeah, you can pray enough. Yeah, you can serve enough. Okay, that was for free. Don't be a mean Pharisee. Besides, how will people know that we are his disciples? Because we're always right. <laughs> or because we're holier. Well, because we know more than everybody else. Ah, of course, that's how. No, how, how will people know that we're his disciples? Love. 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 By the way, I have a gift for you if you would like it. And the most self-loving thing you can do, by the way, is to forgive. Because it does more for you than it does for the one that offended you. But I have a gift for you. I wrote a prayer. I say I wrote it. I just put the pieces of the puzzle together. I used over 25 scriptures and composed a prayer of forgiveness. None of my own words are in there. It's just all Bible. Made out of over 25 scriptures. You can pray this prayer as often as you need it. 
And if you would like a copy of that prayer emailed to you in your inbox, please take out your connection card. It looks like this. It's on your seat. And just write your name, your email address on there, and just write uh, the F-bomb. Say, send me the F-bomb, and I will send you this prayer of forgiveness in your inbox, and you can use it every day as often as you need to blow up something the devil's doing in your life. You just drop the bomb of forgiveness. I'm telling you, it's the most self-loving thing you can do is to forgive others. I'll be happy to send that to you. You can use it anytime. Let's go to verse 6. We're almost done. Acts 28, 6, however, they expected that Paul, after being bitten, would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they looked for a long time, and so they checked his Instagram account, he wasn't spewing out venom. They checked his Facebook story, and he wasn't dead. They checked his Twitter feed, and he wasn't spewing out a bunch of criticism and, and doubt and unbelief and mean stuff. They, they watched him to see if he was swelling up, and he had not swollen up and died. So they changed their minds about him and said, well, he must not be a murderer. He must be a god. There's the bipolar public for you right there at its finest. So, Paul, again, he didn't go to viper therapy. He just shook it off, got back near the fire, and he kept serving. You ever been bit at church, anybody? Ever been bit around the fire? I know you have. I'm a pastor. I get bit for a living. But it's okay. Sheep, they have small teeth. It's not a big deal. It's the wolves you have to look out for. But I have a stick for them. Don't let it paralyze you. Stay close to the fire because it's the fire that heals you. It's the fire that restores you. It's the fire that purifies and destroys the vipers. Get back to serving. Serve the Lord with gladness. You're either doing what the Lord's asked you to do or you're either doing your own thing. There is no in-between. And by the way, you're not a victim. You're a victor. You are a servant of God. And victims never become champions. I'm going to drop a truth bomb on you right here. Calling yourself a victim is how some people cope with their own unfulfilled potential. It's just easier for them to whine and moan and fuss about how everybody else has misused and abused them. It's easier to do that than it is to rise up and do the work necessary to walk in your potential of who you are in Christ. Now, if that offends you, then just forgive me. Get your spiritual diaper changed and keep moving. Stay close to the fire and grow up and start walking as an adult in Christ. Because listen, there's royal blood in your veins. You're not a victim. You're a victor. You're a son or a daughter of the most high God. Come on, everybody. Somebody say, I'm a prince or I'm a princess, whatever the case may be. Sitting next to royalty this morning. Jesus, one day, we, we hope to hear him say, well done, good and faithful. What? Servant. If you're not serving, you're not a servant. So a lot of people, they're not going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. They're just going to hear, well, you're done. You only go around once. Serve. Make your contribution. Because we're not a kingdom of consumers. We're a kingdom of contributors. You have something that this world needs. Amen? So join a serve team. Here's some forms of unforgiveness before we go. Here's, what, here's different ways the vipers express themselves. Murder, obviously. Hate. Slander. And sometimes it's not just overt. Sometimes it's like, I don't know if I'd do business with them if I were you. 
this little underhanded revenge, withholding good from those who need it, and it's in your power to do it. Sarcasm. Do you know that that can be a viper? That can be a form of unforgiveness. Sarcasm. Oh, you look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I was going to keep moving, but I'm going to meddle just for a minute. Did you know that sarks is the Greek word for flesh? Sarcasm means flesh eater. It's what wolves do. How do we know? One way that we know that people are wolves is if their native tongue or if their language is sarcasm. And they not only speak it, but that's how they hear through that filter. They think you're being sarcastic when you're just being genuine and sincere. Everything they hear is tainted. They're a flesh eater. They want to devour. All right, all right, all right. I can tell you I wasn't ready for that. I'll keep going. But it's a form of unforgiveness, sarcasm. Be careful that you don't become fluent in the language or in the accent of sarcasm. Here at Harvest Church, love is our language. Kindness is our accent. All right, I'm keep moving. Labeling people. Oh, they're us. So and so. Name calling, divorce, bigotry, prejudice, racism, wishing bad things to happen for people, praying to God against people. Did you know that that's, God doesn't listen to those prayers, by the way? What you're, when you pray against someone, that's called witchcraft. That's what witches and warlocks do. You're yielding to a spirit, but not the Holy Spirit. Criticism. I'm not talking about critique, that, that help, constructive criticism to help people get better. Critique or cynicism that tears people down, that offers them nothing to build them up. Rejection, avoiding people, avoiding them to push them away. Transfer of affection. I used to love you and show kindness to you, but I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to take what I was giving you and give it to somebody else. Judgmentalism. Oh, I know why you're doing that. Do, no, you don't. Are you God? Only He knows the hearts of people. Now, you can observe patterns and step away from a destructive pattern, but you don't know why people do what they do. Sometimes people don't even know why they do what they do. You ain't going to figure it out. Lack of mercy. Have you ever needed it? Guess what? You're going to need it again, so go ahead and sow it. And finally, a lack of compassion. So here's what I want to do today before we go. I want to lead you in a prayer to forgive that person that hurt you or those people that hurt you, rejected you, used you, stole business from you, ruined your name, took your girlfriend, whatever the case may be, called you a bad name, assumed the worst about you when it wasn't even true and they still believe it. And they left your life because they believed the lie wherever it came from. I want to lead you in a because Why? It's going to help you shake it off. It's going to do you more good than it does them. When you forgive, you're not approving what they did. You're just getting rid of the venom being injected into your own life to destroy you. Somebody's about to get free. Are you ready? Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me today? If you need to forgive somebody in your life, would you please join me in this prayer right now? It's probably most of us. Would you say this with me today? Pray with us right there watching us online. Say it today. Say, Dear Lord in heaven, I make a conscious decision to forgive and to release so-and-so. Go ahead and call their name. You don't have to say it out loud for your neighbor to hear, but just go ahead and say their name. I make a conscious decision to forgive and to release. Fill in the blank. Now say this with me. Holy Spirit, come right now. Do surgery on my heart. I know how much you have forgiven me. 
And that forgiveness was conditional. So give me grace to bless those who curse me. I bring their balance to zero. I declare they owe me nothing, not even an apology. Those that have violated me, damaged my reputation, taken advantage of me, I forgive them right now. Now, Lord, forgive me. Restore my health. Restore my emotions. Heal my heart. Restore my soul. Restore my life. I shake it off in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, I'm telling you what, you just had a soul detox today. You will never be the same again. Come on, somebody shake it off of me today. Are you glad you got to shake it off? Amen. Come on, make some noise. It's good to be free.